Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Children of Our Lady podcast, brought to you by the Catholic Family Podcast. My name is Thomas, and I thank you all for being here today. For starters, I hope everyone is having a good start to the Lent season. It's such an important time during the year, and I hope everyone has a very beneficial season this year. Here in today's episode, we read through the second half of Discourse 9 from the Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguori on the Dolors of Mary. A very impactful reading and a really important area of devotion to Mary to understand. That being the sorrows Our Lady endured and the sufferings she endured in union with our Lord for us. St. Alphonsus does such a great job speaking on this subject, but before we get into the reading, just a quick reminder that the plan for the Lent season here on the show is to go back through the seven reflections St. Alphonsus gives us on the seven sorrows of Mary over the course of Lent. So I'll be reposting those episodes from before, and I don't plan to add any extra commentary. I may come back and speak a little in an episode near the end of Lent, but I'm not sure right now. Regardless, I hope everyone can withdraw much good fruit from those reflections, and I'll be back to start the second part of the Glories of Mary, focusing on the mysteries of Our Lady's life after Easter. Also, I would like to do something for the Catholic Family Podcast for Lent around the world at some point, too. And to all of you, don't forget to send in your readings to Kevin if you want to take part in that series as well. But anyways, for this episode, we'll get into our reading today of the second half of Discourse 9. Come back for a few more words, our quote, and our prayer to Our Lady. Discourse 9 of the Dolors of Mary Continued Here we must reflect on another circumstance which rendered the martyrdom of Mary beyond all comparison greater than the torments of all the martyrs. It is that in the Passion of Jesus she suffered much, and she suffered, moreover, without the least alleviation. The martyrs suffered under the torments inflicted on them by tyrants, but the love of Jesus rendered their pains sweet and agreeable. A St. Vincent was tortured on a rack, torn with pincers, burnt with red-hot iron plates. But, as St. Augustine remarks, it seemed as if it was one who suffered and another who spoke. The saint addressed the tyrant with such energy and contempt for his torments that it seemed as if one Vincent suffered and another spoke. So greatly did God strengthen him with the sweetness of his love in the midst of all he endured. A St. Boniface had his body torn with iron hooks, sharp-pointed reeds were thrust between his nails and flesh, melted lead was poured into his mouth, and in the midst of all he could not tire, saying, I give thee thanks, O Lord Jesus Christ. A St. Mark and a St. Marcellinus were bound to a stake, their feet pierced with nails, and when the tyrant addressed them, saying, Wretches, see to what a state you are reduced, save yourself from these torments. They answered, Of what pains, of what torments dost thou speak? We never enjoyed so luxurious a banquet as in the present moment in which we joyfully suffer for the love of Jesus Christ. A St. Lawrence suffered, but when roasting on the gridiron, the interior flame of love, says St. Leo, was more powerful in consoling his soul than the flame without in torturing his body. Hence love rendered him so courageous that he mocked the tyrant, saying, If thou desirest to feed on my flesh, a part is sufficiently roasted, turn it and eat. But how, in the midst of so many torments, in that prolonged death, could the saint thus rejoice? Ah, replies St. Augustine, inebriated with the wine of divine love, he felt neither torments nor death. So that the more the holy martyrs loved Jesus, the less did they feel their torments and death, and the sight alone of the sufferings of a crucified God was sufficient to console them. But was our suffering mother also consoled by love for her son, and the sight of his torments? Ah, no. For this very son who suffered was the whole cause of them, and the love she bore him was her only and most cruel executioner. For Mary's whole martyrdom consisted in beholding and pitying her innocent and beloved son, who suffered so much. Hence, the greater was her love for him, the more bitter and inconsolable was her grief. 
great as the sea is thy destruction, who shall heal thee? Ah, queen of heaven, love hath mitigated the sufferings of other martyrs, and healed their wounds. But who hath ever soothed thy bitter grief? Who hath ever healed the two cruel wounds of thy heart? Who shall heal thee, since that very Son who could give thee consolation was, by his sufferings, the only cause of thine, and the love which thou didst bear him was the whole ingredient of thy martyrdom? So that, as other martyrs, as Diaz remarks, are all represented in the instruments of their sufferings, a St. Paul with a sword, a St. Andrew with a cross, a St. Lawrence with a gridiron, Mary is represented with her dead son in her arms. For Jesus himself, and he alone, was the instrument of her martyrdom, by reason of the love she bore him. Richard of St. Victor confirms in a few words all that I have now said. In other martyrs, the greatness of their love soothed the pains of their martyrdom. But in the Blessed Virgin, the greater was her love, the greater were her sufferings, the more cruel was her martyrdom. It is certain that the more we love a thing, the greater is the pain we feel in losing it. We are more afflicted at the loss of a brother than at that of a beast of burden. We are more grieved at the loss of a son than at that of a friend. Now, Cornelius A. Lepide says that to understand the greatness of Mary's grief at the death of her son, we must understand the greatness of the love she bore him. But who can ever measure that love? Blessed Amadeus says that in the heart of Mary were united two kinds of love for her Jesus, supernatural love by which she loved him as her God, and natural love by which she loved him as her son. So that these two loves became one, but so immense a love that William of Paris even says that the Blessed Virgin loved him as much as it was possible for a pure creature to love him. Hence Richard of St. Victor affirms that, as there was no love like her love, so there was no sorrow like her sorrow. And if the love of Mary towards her son was immense, immense also must have been her grief in losing him by death. Where there is the greatest love, says Blessed Albert the Great, there also is the greatest grief. Let us now imagine to ourselves the Divine Mother standing near her son expiring on the cross, and justly applying to herself the words of Jeremiah, thus addressing us. O all ye that pass by the way, attend, and see if there be any sorrow like to my sorrow. O you who spend your lives upon earth, and pity me not, stop a while to look at me, now that I behold this beloved son dying before my eyes, and then see if, amongst all those who are afflicted and tormented, a sorrow is to be found like unto my sorrow. No, O most suffering of all mothers, replies St. Bonaventure, no more bitter grief than thine can be found, for no son more dear than thine can be found. Ah, there never was a more amiable son in the world than Jesus, says Richard of St. Lawrence, nor has there ever been a mother who more tenderly loved her son than Mary. But since there never has been in the world a love like unto Mary's love, how can any sorrow be found like unto Mary's sorrow? Therefore St. Idolphonsus did not hesitate to assert, to say that Mary's sorrows were greater than all the torments of the martyrs united was to say too little. And St. Anselm adds that the most cruel tortures inflicted on the holy martyrs were trifling, or as nothing in comparison with the martyrdom of Mary. St. Basil of Seleucia also writes that as the sun exceeds all the other planets in splendor, so did Mary's sufferings exceed those of all the other martyrs. A learned author concludes with a beautiful sentiment. He says that so great was the sorrow of this tender mother in the passion of Jesus, that she alone compassionated in a degree by any means adequate to its merits, the death of a God-made man. But here St. Bonaventure, addressing this blessed virgin, says, And why, O lady, didst thou also go to sacrifice thyself on Calvary? Was not a crucified God sufficient to redeem us? that thou, his mother, wouldst also go to be crucified with him? Indeed, the death of Jesus was more than enough to save the world, and an infinity of worlds. But this good mother, for the love she bore us, 
wished also to help the cause of our salvation with the merits of her sufferings, which she offered for us on Calvary. Therefore, blessed Albert the Great says, that as we are under great obligations to Jesus for his passion endured for our love, so also are we under great obligations to Mary for the martyrdom which she voluntarily suffered for our salvation in the death of her son. I say voluntarily since, as St. Agnes revealed to St. Bridget, our compassionate and benign mother was satisfied rather to endure any torment than that our souls should not be redeemed and be left in their former state of perdition. And indeed, we may say that Mary's only relief in the midst of her great sorrow in the passion of her son was to see the lost world redeemed by his death, and men who were his enemies reconciled with God. While grieving, she rejoiced, says Simon of Cassia, that a sacrifice was offered for the redemption of all, by which he who was angry was appeased. So great a love on the part of Mary deserves our gratitude, and that gratitude should be shown by at least meditating upon and pitying her in her sorrows. But she complained to St. Bridget that very few did so, and that the greater part of the world lived in forgetfulness of them. I looked around at all who are on earth, to see if by chance there are any who pity me, and meditate upon my sorrows, and I find that there are very few. Therefore, my daughter, though I am forgotten by many, at least do thou not forget me. Consider my anguish and imitate, as far as thou canst, my grief. To understand how pleasing it is to the Blessed Virgin that we should remember her dolors, we need only know that in the year 1239 she appeared to seven devout clients of hers, who were afterwards founders of the religious order of the servants of Mary, with a black garment in her hand, and desired them, if they wished to please her, often to meditate on her sorrows. For this purpose, and to remind them of her sorrows, she expressed her desire that in future they should wear that mourning dress. Jesus Christ himself revealed to the blessed Veronica da Bonasco that he is, as it were, more pleased in seeing his mother compassionated than himself, for thus he addressed her. My daughter, tears shed for my passion are dear to me, but as I love my mother Mary with an immense love, the meditation of the torments which she endured at my death is even more agreeable to me. Wherefore, the graces promised by Jesus to those who are devoted to the dolors of Mary are very great. Pelbert relates that it was revealed to St. Elizabeth that after the assumption of the Blessed Virgin into heaven, St. John the Evangelist desired to see her again. The favor was granted him. His dear mother appeared to him, and with her Jesus Christ also appeared. The saint then heard Mary ask her son to grant some special grace to all those who are devoted to her dolors. Jesus promised her four principal ones. First, that those who before death invoke the Divine Mother in the name of her sorrows should obtain true repentance of all their sins. Second, that he would protect all who have this devotion in their tribulations, and that he would protect them especially at the hour of death. Third, that he would impress upon their minds the remembrance of his passion, and that they should have their reward for it in heaven. Fourth, that he would commit such devout clients to the hands of Mary with the power to dispose of them in whatever manner she might please, and to obtain for them all the graces she might desire. In proof of this, let us see, in the following example, how greatly devotion to the dolors of Mary aids in obtaining eternal salvation. Example In the Revelations of St. Bridget, we read that there was a rich man, as noble by birth as he was vile and sinful in his habits. He had given himself, by an express compact, as a slave to the devil, and for sixty successive years had served him, leading such a life as may be imagined, and never approaching the sacraments. Now this prince was dying, and Jesus Christ, to show him mercy, commanded St. Bridget to tell her confessor to go and visit him, and exhort him to confess his sins. The confessor went, and the sick man said that he did not require confession, as he had often approached the sacrament of penance. The priest went a second time, but this poor slave of hell persevered in his obstinate determination not to confess. 
Jesus again told the saint to desire the confessor to return. He did so, and on this third occasion told the sick man the revelation made to the saint, and that he had returned so many times because our Lord, who wished to show him mercy, had so ordered. On hearing this the dying man was touched and began to weep. But how, he exclaimed, can I be saved? I, who for sixty years have served the devil as his slave, and have my soul burdened with innumerable sins. My son, answered the father, encouraging him, doubt not. If you repent of them, on the part of God I promise you pardon. Then, gaining confidence, he said to the confessor, Father, I looked upon myself as lost, and already despaired of salvation, but now I feel a sorrow for my sins which gives me confidence, and since God has not yet abandoned me, I will make my confession. In fact, he made his confession four times on that day with the greatest marks of sorrow, and on the following morning received the Holy Communion. On the sixth day, contrite and resigned, he died. After his death, Jesus Christ again spoke to St. Bridget and told her that that sinner was saved, that he was then in purgatory, and that he owed his salvation to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin, his mother. For the deceased, although he had led so wicked a life, had nevertheless always preserved devotion to her dolors, and whenever he thought of them, pitied her. Prayer O my afflicted mother, queen of martyrs and of sorrows, thou didst so bitterly weep over thy son, who died for my salvation. But what will thy tears avail me if I am lost? By the merit, then, of thy sorrows, obtain me true contrition for my sins and a real amendment of life, together with constant and tender compassion for the sufferings of Jesus and thy dolors. And if Jesus and thou, being so innocent, have suffered so much for love of me, obtain that at least I, who am deserving of hell, may suffer something for your love. O lady, will I say with St. Bonaventure, if I have offended thee, injustice wound my heart. If I have served thee, I now ask wounds for my reward. It is shameful to me to see my Lord Jesus wounded, and thee wounded with him, and myself without a wound. In fine, O my mother, by the grief thou didst experience in seeing thy son bow down his head and expire on the cross in the midst of so many torments, I beseech thee to obtain me a good death. Ah, cease not, O advocate of sinners, to assist my afflicted soul in the midst of the combats in which it will have to engage on its great passage from time to eternity. And as it is probable that I may then have lost my speech and strength to invoke thy name and that of Jesus, who are all my hope, I do so now. I invoke thy Son and thee to succor me in that last moment. And I say, Jesus and Mary, to you I commend my soul. Amen. All right, and that's where we'll stop with our reading for today. A good conclusion to this wonderful chapter on the Dolors of Mary. Among the many different unique circumstances of Our Lady's Sorrows, I think one of the ones that stands out to me the most is the one that St. Alphonsus definitely explained well in today's chapter, or in today's reading, which is, when Mary saw the sufferings of our Lord, it increased her sufferings. It was exactly the cause of her pain was to see all that our Lord went through, whereas with the saints, obviously we see how they were consoled and encouraged and strengthened as they went through their pains, thinking of our Lord, looking at a crucifix, or thinking about all that he endured for them. When I think about the sorrows that Our Lady endured, and the pain that Our Lord endured at seeing Mary suffering as much as she was, I may have mentioned this on the show before, but it, I imagine almost like just this cycle of sorrow. Every time Our Lord gazed upon Mary, that increased her sorrow, and every time Our Lady gazed upon Our Lord, it increased his sorrow, and it was the fact that they knew that the sight of each other was causing each other more pain, that was increasing their pain, increasing their sorrow. So you have this endless cycle of increasing pain, increasing sorrow, increasing suffering, 
because of the great love that our Lord and Our Lady had for each other, a love truly incomprehensible. Of course, when we think about Our Lady's sorrows, it's so moving to think about Our Lady's one consolation during her sorrow, during the Passion of Our Lord, was the fact that by the sufferings Our Lord was enduring, we would be redeemed, and that we would be able to be reconciled with God, us sinners. You know, it makes me think back to some of the earlier readings from the Glories of Mary, particularly the chapter, the title comes to mind, about Our Lady being the peacemaker between sinners and God. And there's a connection there that I make when we consider the lengths that Our Lady went to in order to see that we would be reconciled with God, that peace would be made between sinners and God, so much as to sacrifice the very life of her own Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and to consent to all the sufferings that he endured for our salvation, to cooperate with him. It's just a wonderful thought to think about how Our Lady endured all of these great pains that St. Alphonsus helps us to see were truly incomprehensible that she suffered all of these things, and the one consolation she had was knowing that we would be redeemed, that we would be reconciled with God. It's just so moving and so remarkable, the love that Our Lady has for us children. And it brings to my mind something else St. Alphonsus brought up in today's reading. Our Lady said to St. Bridget, I look around at all who are on earth to see if by chance there are any who pity me and meditate upon my sorrows and I find that there are very few. Therefore, my daughter, though I am forgotten by many, at least do thou not forget me. Consider my anguish and imitate, as far as thou canst, my grief. When we consider all that Our Lady endured for us, and then reflect upon these words that she said to St. Bridget, well, hopefully it can motivate us all to want to be more devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows and to try to find ways to honor her, whether that be just by some extra prayers, especially throughout this Lenten season, of course, there's the chaplet in honor of our sorrowful mother, perhaps maybe seven Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady's seven sorrows, or even just a simple salutation to Our Lady, a simple Hail Mary in thanksgiving to Our Lady for all that she suffered for us. We've read in the past just how pleasing even one single Hail Mary is to our Blessed Mother. So hopefully throughout this Lenten season, we can all try to undertake some special devotions in honor of Our Lady, and of course, we can bear our crosses in union with Our Lady, in union with our Lord. Bear all the trials, all the sufferings, all the hardships that we deal with throughout this season of Lent and all throughout our life. We can unite our pain with that of our Lord, of course, and with Our Lady and her sorrows. And I think it's worth bringing up here the wonderful example we read about today, showing us just how powerful the devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows is how it obtained conversion for someone who for so many years of his life led a wicked life, and even near the end of his life was still very hesitant to go to confession. But we see how Our Lady interceded for that soul and obtained for him many graces from our Lord, so much so that our Lord appeared to St. Bridget to tell the confessor to go and visit this dying man and convince him to go to confession. I mean, what a wonderful grace was given to that man. And as we read, our Lord appeared to St. Bridget and told her, that that sinner owed his salvation to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin, his mother. And we read at the end that it said, For the deceased, although he had led so wicked a life, had nevertheless always preserved devotion to her dolors, and whenever he thought of them, pitied her. So we see how pleasing it is to our Lord and to our Blessed Mother when we have devotion to Our Lady's sorrows. I think one of the last things I want to reiterate here are those wonderful promises that our Lord made to those who have devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows taking from the reading the four principal ones that he made. 
First, that those who before death invoke the Divine Mother in the name of her sorrows should obtain true repentance of all their sins. Second, that he would protect all who have this devotion in their tribulations, and that he would protect them especially at the hour of death. Third, that he would impress upon their minds the remembrance of his passion, and that they should have their reward for it in heaven. Fourth, that he would commit such devout clients to the hands of Mary, with the power to dispose of them in whatever manner she might please, and to obtain for them all the graces she might desire. Of course, there are so many reasons to foster this devotion and to compassionate Our Lady in her sorrows, and especially as we go through this Lenten season, offering our prayers and our sacrifices to God through her, uniting our sufferings with hers and with our Lord's, and trying to carry out our good resolutions and make good sacrifices throughout this Lent season. And we can try to remember what our Lord said to Blessed Veronica de Bonasco when he said, My daughter, tears shed for my passion are dear to me. But as I love my mother Mary with an immense love, the meditation of the torments which she endured at my death is even more agreeable to me. Well, there's so much to be said about this devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. And St. Alphonsus did such a wonderful job throughout this chapter, both in this episode and in the last episode, explaining this devotion, helping us to understand why Our Lady truly is the Queen of Martyrs, and giving us plenty of motivation and plenty of reasons to foster a great devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. Well, as this episode comes to a close and the season of Lent is upon us, I hope that everyone has a truly beneficial season, especially spiritually, and God willingly that after this season of penance and prayer and sacrifices, we may enter into the Easter season, all of us, better Catholics and better children of our Lord and Our Lady. And I think this is a good place for us to go to our quote for today, which actually comes from later on in the Glories of Mary, in a section of the book that has various different sermons, I believe from St. Alphonsus Liguori, on different feasts of Our Lady or different topics about Our Lady. And this one comes from a sermon on the dolors of Mary. And it reads, The same St. Lawrence considers Jesus on his road to Calvary, with the cross on his shoulders, turning to Mary and saying to her, Alas, my own dear mother, whither goest thou? What a scene wilt thou witness? Thou wilt be agonized by my sufferings, and I by thine. But the loving mother would follow him all the same, though she knew that, by being present at his death, she would have to endure a torment greater than any death. She saw that her son carried the cross to be crucified upon it, and she also took up the cross of her sorrows and followed her son to be crucified with him. Well, I think this is a good place for us to conclude this episode with our own prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Lord Jesus crucified, have mercy on us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. St. Alphonsus de Liguori, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I thank you all for coming by to today's episode of the Children of Our Lady podcast, brought to you by the Catholic Family Podcast. God bless you all, and Mary keep you. Oh.